disappointedly, um, Lion paid quite a bit, um, 111 million, I believe, the year before. Jeez, so... they'll, they'll be trying to poach CUBs at the account. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What are we, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are proud sponsors of Brews News, and in particular, Brews News Week, which is this. And it's me, Pete Mitchum, your host. And joining me live from our Brisbane studios, it's none other than Claire Burnett. G'day, Claire. <laughs> hey, Pete. How you doing? Thanks for I'm having me very back. Well. Very That's much all right. appreciated. Now, I believe you've um, you've had a locksmith in over the weekend. You changed the locks to keep him out. Um, <laughs> no. What's going on there? What's what, There's a bit of a, a change in the wind? Oh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. I think Matt wants to step back a little bit and relax. Yeah, we need back. to put it, put it on the leash, <laughs> to be fair. Hey, um, but having said that, uh, it is... Uh, we often sort of sit down at regular intervals, um, surprise, not surprisingly, over a beer or two, and plot, you know, the uh, where this whole thing that is Australian Brews News is going. And obviously the podcast has become more and more popular and it's a really great way for people to engage uh, with the industry or the community that they, they feel a part of or to become more, more a part of. Um, and that's for our, our consumers, our, our drinkers, our punters, if you like. But then there's also the industry itself who gets a lot of its um, its news and information and opinion from uh, from this. And it's fair to say that we had great response to your cameo a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I think, too, uh, as, as the Radio Brews News – or, sorry, the Australian Brews News senior journalist, um, there's often, I find, uh, little bits about the story that don't necessarily need to make its way into the story itself. But – in the podcast when we're talking about different subjects um, become quite relevant and, and just put a bit of colour and movement into this whole craft beer thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like every story that we do that Matt and I work on together or that I do or that Matt does, we always have conversations in the office. Um, should we do it like this? Who should we talk to? Um, lots of things like that that go on in the background that a lot of people don't see um, at the finished product. Um, side of things so it's, it'll be really good to have a, a bit of a chat and go into a bit more depth and maybe talk about the challenges and the things that we were thinking uh, when we were writing. Yeah and so look welcome aboard um, I'm sure that we'll, we'll ease you into it and um, and give you a, you know a rest every now and then as well but it's good to have you on board uh, just to sort of keep things fresh and interesting for our listeners uh, into 2020. Fantastic. Thanks, Pete. Well, Matt no didn't kick me uh, under the table last week, so I thought I might be invited back, but <laughs> it's lovely to be here. <laughs> and he is a fairly, you know, uh, a tall, lanky streak of pelican shit, so it's not like he couldn't have reached you <laughs> under the table. So, And we would have also, I don't know, was there a squeaky chair? Um, I haven't had a chance to listen back to um, uh, the one that we recorded last week uh, in Moorabbin, but um, there was certainly a lot of squeaky chair in the thing. So, so if Matt had been kicking you under the table or trying to, we would have, we certainly would have heard it. Oh, that's all right then. So everyone can tell if I'm being abused. That's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, or gently encouraged. Uh, so, um, given that uh, Claire writes most of the material for. Um, the Brews News website as the senior journalist, it, uh, it makes a bit of sense that we uh, get her on to chat about the news. And as, as we say, at the end of the day, uh, Brews News Week, the point of this particular podcast, as against uh, the Beer is a Conversation or our Brews News Live podcast, is for those who haven't necessarily been able to find the time or the inclination to read the stories about what's happening in news uh, week to week, we give you a little bit of a, I guess, uh, what's the word? Um a primer of, you know, a, the expurgated version, yeah. the one without the gannet. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought we'd uh, uh, keep that going in that vein. And um, it starts off with a bit of news this week, Claire, where um, we saw that Jamie Cook has stepped down as the IBA chair. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a really cool one. I think um, Jamie's off to go travelling as part of his retirement plans. Um, and it sounds like a good good time to go and pass the bat on. But, yeah, good luck to, to Jamie. It'll be a really cool move and he'll finally get a break. I think uh, he said in the, the note, the email he sent to everyone, that I think he thought it was a little bit more work than he'd intended. Um, and I think we, we often find that. Yeah, and world, it, so. exactly. Uh, and those who listen to Matt's really great uh, beer as a conversation chat with Jamie Cook uh, a couple of months ago now, 
really, for a lot of people, it was a, it was a surprise of just how long Jamie had been in it because he's so intrinsically linked to Stone and Wood as one of the three, uh, you know, original faces of the of the of the brewery and the brand, and and has has taken it from from strength to strength. It's, it comes as a bit of a surprise to find out that you know he was a, you know, a humble refrigeration mechanic way back in the day, and um, you Can know, you imagine I can't even imagine that now. <laughs> not now, no, no, no. absolutely. It, it doesn't show too how we we evolve and we develop and um and sometimes and look the the, the beer world I'm, I'm sure is full of stories of people who oh, never expected to get into this thing and you know, like I, nobody you know stands up in the first show and tell in uh, you know the first day of prep and says when I grow up I want to be a brewer um you know it's it, it's your policeman fireman you know astronaut kind of thing yeah. it's one of those things that I think people find themselves uh, drawn to and yeah and and Jamie's a great example of how um you know. From humble beginnings, from from little things, big things grow. Um, at taking his place uh, as the IBA chair would be Waywood Brewing Co's Pete Phillip, who now Pete's Pete's been involved in the in the IBA. I'm pretty sure he was involved from its inception. I think he may have even been you know one of the associate members or a, um, a non-portfolio member. I can't remember what the the term was, mm-hmm. and he's sort of moved his way through, and he's been looking after um, engagement and advocacy. Uh, as well and so he'll step up into um, the chair role and I think David Kitchen from um, Ballistic. Uh, from Ballistic yeah, yeah will be taking over Pete's role. Yeah cool and I mean he's done been involved a lot in the um, Queensland licensing and the craft beer strategy here as well so um, he'll he'll know what he's doing. Yeah exactly and and look it's um it, it Jamie has been really instrumental in, I think, taking what was a really great concept and, you know, we, we know a couple of the things that we want to do and the IBA, I, I think, under Jamie's stewardship has has really sort of um, probably solidified its position, um, got its, its goals a, a little bit more focused uh, and I think Jamie is the kind of personality that was sort of, I think, easily able to, to, to bring people along you know, for the ride, um, get everyone on the same page and, and working together. So uh, he'll be missed, but well done, Jamie, on your achievements. I second that. That would be cool. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> now, speaking of uh, previous podcasts and beer is, is a conversations, uh, this week we published the chat that Matt had with um, Krista McGarry and that's Matt, isn't it? Yeah, from, uh, from, from your mates. Uh, which came about as a result of their great showing, getting a, the number five spot in this year's Gab's Hottest 100 craft beer poll, and the subsequent reaction to, you know, who are your mates? Um, mm. That was a, a was a really interesting take, and probably really summed up. Uh, Matt's idea was to to go out to the boys and and uh, respond to their response to, you know. Hey guys, why all the why all the barbs? You know what? You know we, we're just sort of doing our thing, and I think it was a really great illustration of just why your mates did so well, because you don't need to be massive, you don't need to be a really big brewery, you don't need to be nationally distributed, you don't need to have uh, a, a home brand, you know, or a household name core range of beers. What you the uh, the the hottest one hundred? What it's really about is showing how um, you can harness the passion of your supporters of your fans your, your loyal drinkers and turn it into you know something concrete and so i think that um the chat with uh, with the boys really uh, really showed why they got as far you know as yeah, high as number five absolutely and i think I, th- I think this is a strange one as well because um like we talked about it before but the thirsty crow in wagga wagga they do a vanilla milk stout right and that's been that was like 70 second or something like that and it's been in the list for God knows how long, and nobody's ever made a fuss about that. But that's because it's seventy second, I guess, rather than in the top five. So I think people, when it gets to that level, are going to be a little bit more um, sitting up, taking notice, being like, "Who are they? Why haven't I heard of them?" Um, and like, fair enough, you can absolutely say that. But they clearly do a good beer, and they engage their audience, and they know their people, and they make a good beer. So what's the problem? <laughs> But, exactly. Yeah, but that's what I, mean, I think. That's what kind of what they were like on the the podcast. Really, they were just like, just get on with it. It's pretty much what you see is what you get, and there's no greater illustration of, uh, I guess, proving the point that Matt was making. Um, that when we posted the story to now Matt posted it through his through LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, the guys then sort of picked it up and and distributed it through, um, you know, through their channels. Um, more 
so when it went through their network, we got more uh, reaction to it, more engagement yeah. than any other story that we've uh, done through that, that um, through that medium. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that 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 shows. Uh, you can't get a better illustration of how well they engage with their, you know, their, their guys are, um, and I think part of it too, Claire, I don't know about you, mm. I, I certainly would imagine from your point of view, there would be so many um, media releases, uh, requests, or, uh, you know, can you do a story on this? Or have you heard about this? Here's a new beer that comes through. And um, I think for a lot of people, you know, if you've got your favourite brewery, but they keep bombarding you, you mm. can, it just becomes white noise. I oh, think yeah. you've got to be you've got to be clever in. I'm not going to send you something all the time. I'm going to keep keep us front of mind when you're thinking about you know going out and visiting a brewery or buying a beer, mm-hmm. but uh, it's got to be relevant. And obviously, whatever their magic formula is, it works because you know they can post out you know a, a, a dry bland link to here's a chat that we had with some guys you've probably never heard of, yeah. uh, and and it gets such a, a great response. No, absolutely, that's the thing, and. You know, it's a crazy one. Like, I, I was—I really did expect everyone to just be more like clap on the back about it. But I think that, as you say, you get a bit of marketing fatigue when you see the the people campaigning for it a bit, and or on anything because it's Facebook and they love a bit of money through marketing, don't they? So, if someone has the ability to do that without bombarding their people, the consumers, then why the hell not? They've clearly done something right. So, congrats to them, I say. Uh, exactly. Look, you only have to go back to the first three or four polls. Um, in the first year, the second beer was uh, Murray's Craft Brewery, um, their Icon 2 IPA, their Icon Double IPA. Yeah. Uh, that's a great example of how, you know, back then, you know, IPAs were, were just starting to, to find a bit of flavour. Uh, they weren't necessarily flavour of the month at that point. But it also shows how how easily, if you don't, uh, leverage off something like the hottest 100 and obviously it's easier now because there's so much more awareness of the, of the hottest 100 so you can utilize it to your advantage once mm-hmm. you you know if, if you do well yeah. but it also shows how if you I guess ignore it and say, oh, it's just a poll you know we won't sort of do anything about it you can kind of you know slip down yeah yeah exactly um I don't know if you noticed as well Pete but we did the um New Zealand hottest 100 and Sam, me and Sam in the office had a good laugh because uh, pretty much like the top ten was just dominated by IPAs in New Zealand. And I was just oh, like, and not even that, but but yeah. hazies, hazies yeah. and deeper IPAs, yeah. Yeah. So hashtag like not really IPAs. <laughs> it was quite tame in comparison, um, ours in Australia, wasn't it? <laughs> I think so, and and yeah, and, and look, it's a it's a two very different markets, but again. The Gab's Hottest 100 is a really great snapshot, and you can take it in. You can read it in many different ways, but take it for what it is. It's a pop. Yes, it's a popularity contest. It's a it's a popular vote, mm-hmm. but it gives you a, a really good idea in in broad brushstroke terms of what sort of beers are, are becoming more popular. Certainly, what packaging is becoming more popular. So you go back. I think it was six years ago when cans first um, started. You know, becoming inverted commas craft. And I think three in the top 100 were in cans. It then went to 15 in the second year, but then it jumped to you know like 70. Uh, and this year there were over 90. I think were were either can only product or yeah. or, or available in you know both packaging. So yeah, that's it. Um, so Cooper's XBA did quite well, and people have put that down to it being in cans, haven't they? Well, that was the point that Matt made. Um, yeah, yeah, when, must have been Matt. When we talked about it, 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 it's funny, isn't it? Every now and then, he just he comes out with a gem. He, he doesn't know how, so it's not like we can <laughs> capture it in a bottle and you know uh, resell it. But every now and then, he comes up with something, you know, and he's right on the money. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, we should we should point out to listeners, he is there behind you, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's our new panel operator. He's our new online producer yeah, for. Uh, you for might radio. not see me next week. Am I handed my notice? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, he's no, going to kick me now. <laughs> uh, someone else that's very popular um, is uh, the ATO. And uh, this week they revealed the Brewers' tax contributions. Now, this is a vexed issue, and I never pretend to be anything other than a humble beer drinker. I have, I don't have a, a business bone in my body. I don't, you know, I, I, I pay my taxes, and well, sorry, I ah. get, to, I, I pay somebody <laughs> else to pay my taxes. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but like everyone else, yeah, I keep my receipts, and I look at, okay, you know, can I claim that, or you know, is there? You try to minimise your tax and all that sort of thing. But um, there's been a lot of chatter, uh, particularly in the craft beer 
or the beer scene generally uh, about how much tax is not being paid, how much is being paid, uh, what sort of contributions uh, the you know inverted commas craft or indie brewers uh, compared to the the multinationals uh, are paying. And um, this story, I think, got a, a fair bit of traction. So um, you wrote, I think, Claire, of the four major brewers listed in the corporate tax transparency dis- disclosures, only Australian-owned Coopers paid tax that appears to be in line with its turnover or publicly pub- published accounts from which its tax arrangements can be understood. So the ATO showed that uh, AB InBev reported a $3.5 billion total income in 2017-18, uh, with $409.6 million considered taxable income. And of that, um, just trying to find uh, the bottom line, the amount of tax paid was blot. Zero. Zero. Not a sausage. Not Bugger a sausage. all. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. And I mean, I think that's obviously what sort of stuck in everyone's crawl. Like, they haven't paid tax in the past five years, I think, that they've been doing these tax transparency disclosures. Um, I don't know about before that, um, so I couldn't comment on that. But basically, um, it just, it's a mad one. And it's a really difficult one. And I actually spent a fair bit of time on this one because the disclosures came out at the end of last year. But I really wanted to dig into it. And we, like, we spoke to um, a chap at the Corporate Tax Association. We spoke to an academic, um, an expert at the University of New South Wales on tax affairs and stuff like that. Because like when you look at these figures in isolation, you've only got three figures, right? And a... a, a apparently um, you you can't judge uh, people's tax and whether they paid enough tax based on their actual income because obviously that comes before um, the bills like the cost of sales and employment and super and blah blah whatever comes out of your your bill yep. at the end of it um, so there's only a certain amount that is taxable um, so that like everyone will probably hit on the 3.5 billion they did make a lot of money but then only a certain amount of it was taxable but again there's no transparency about how how they've managed to have only 400 million of that taxable. So we don't know that. Um, We also don't know what agreements they've had with the um, Australian tax office before that as to why they haven't paid any tax for the past five years. So obviously the CUB went and came back to me and said, you know, like it's about carried forward tax offsets for prepaid tax, which I gather is about um, having made losses previously and then sort of moving that, carrying that forward. Um, So it was a really complex one. Like it was so hard to get your head around. Like I'm not an expert in multinational tax affairs. um, And basically we downloaded all the, uh, the accounts off ASIC just to have a look and try and figure out where all this money's gone. Why have they made four point or 3.5 billion or whatever it was, but then not made any profit? Because obviously that's how, when you don't have to pay any taxes, if you don't make any profit or you make a loss. Um, so, and we just, it was just, it was too much. They have two or three pages of consolidated entities in Dubai, the United Kingdom, everywhere in Europe. Um, just, it's just crazy. It's an absolute labyrinth in terms of determining and analyzing the data that they've given. So basically what we have to go on is what they've, that the ATO has published and the accounts that we can get hold of. And the, the bottom line is, it's just really, it's a complicated issue and we can't say definitively that they should be paying tax and they aren't because that's not the case. Um, no, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's why it's such a hard one. And, and I think we put in um, a little bit because um, the Brewers Association, which obviously um, three of them are part of it, or four of them, is size not part of the Brewers Association, I believe, yet. Yeah? I don't think they were big enough before then. Um, but anyway, three of them are part of the Brewers Association and part of what the CEB guy said was that they pay $1.5 billion, most of which was excise. Now, a lot of people on the Facebook page in particular, they kind of sort of, it, it stuck with them because um, the Brewers Association has been running a campaign um, highlighting the cost of tax as in excise to beer drinkers. So basically they're saying, well, CUB is saying, well, we paid that. And then the Brewers Association is saying, no, the beer drinker pays that. So yeah, you just you're just love. Yeah, you just you just pass it on. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The brewers pay no. They they pay, which is then you know collected back. Uh-huh. Um, so yes, it, it, they're not lying by saying we pay the excise, uh, but they're being disingenuous if they're trying to get people to to think that it doesn't then come out of their pockets. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's not returned to their pockets. Um, yeah. The other thing too, the, the really interesting thing I thought was that um, there's an old adage that, uh, look, you shouldn't be afraid of you know have, getting a big tax bill because the more tax you're paying, you only get taxed more if you're earning more. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it seems to be 
the opposite of the opposite is true, where if you are spectacularly unsuccessful, <laughs> um, if you make really, really bad business decisions and basically lose your pants, yeah. you then don't have to pay tax for as, as long as, <laughs> as long we as can you think feel of. like, yeah. That's it. And <laughs> well, I thought that, that yeah. the, 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 the line I thought was, a, was just an absolute, it cracked me up, was that uh, a CB spokesman told Bruce News that the company was not in a position to pay tax currently. <laughs> Did you have a chuckle? I had a chuckle. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> I guess what we all took from it um, in the office is that it's bloody difficult and um, we just don't have enough information. The whole point of the tax transparency disclosures is that you get a bit of an oversight on who's paying tax, who isn't. I think it was fair enough there might be much more complicated um, tax affairs for the these multinationals, but it was so pointed and we felt that we... It was an interesting comparison that we put um, Fermentum, you know, Stonewood Brewing and Gage Roads um, because both of them individually paid more tax than Asahi and AB and Bev together. So, and they are a fraction of the size of AB and Bev. Um, and a fraction yeah. of the output, a yeah, fraction yeah. of the income, the revenue, the whole Megillah. Yeah. yeah, and yet they pay more than CB. And it was just pointed that the, all the multinationals were the ones that paying less or not quite enough tax really though i mean pointedly um lion paid quite a bit um 111 million i believe the year before Jeez, so. they'll, they'll, they'll be trying to poach cub's account <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and um I what, do are, we, what are we doing out. wrong <laughs> why, why are we not why are we not hiding our money abroad <laughs> um not saying that they are doing that but um potentially who knows uh i did uh have a comment from a lion rep uh, representative who did say that there was um i made a comment that they hadn't paid tax the year before last and that was apparently because they changed their um, year end or something like that so there's apparently some weird tax related reason as to why they didn't have to pay any then but they do I, usually pay tax. yeah i have so. a feeling there might be something to do with uh so the parent kieran mm. um which is then in turn owned by mitsubishi finance corporation yeah, which is one of the you know, top three largest companies in the world. Um, but but they're um, – and having worked with Lion and having uh, invoiced them and that sort of thing in the past, mm -hmm. I do know that their uh, financial year is different. So if they did ah. do a, a changeover, that That's may have it. been – Ah, well, there we go. That might have been it. Responsible for that, yeah, so I can't say that. But look, um, the takeaway for me for, from this story is that, you know, we have uh, heartfelt reasons, we have ideological reasons, we have, uh, you know, business reasons for, for buying certain beers. This probably, this information, whether or not they're, uh, I'm not going to say cooking the books, but whether or not they're, it's very clever accounting or it's, uh, you know, just they're working the, the system or whatever. If you needed another excuse to, you know, drink fresh and drink local, uh, they're also the ones that I guess, are, you know, next time you find yourself in emergency or, you know, sending your kids to school or catching public transport or whatever it might be, you know, that's your, your taxes at work. Yeah, exactly. Um, and someone made the hilarious point that if um, if the CUB managed to pay their corporation tax, then maybe we wouldn't have to hike excise up as much. That's obviously probably not the case because we still have to pay excise, but it would be a nice world that we could live in where that would be the case. Exactly. <laughs> and, we, and we should send out a you know a pat on the back. Congratulations to everyone who listens to, to this podcast because presumably you do drink beer. Um, you're part of, you know, um, the, the group of people who uh, for the second time uh, – Every two, every twice, every year, the um, excise goes up automatically. Um, the most recent one uh, for the seventy-second time. So seventy-second time. I wasn't the even seventy-second in <laughs> automatic automatic increase. When I found out about that, so coming, last obviously years. coming from the UK, I was like, "Are you serious?" When they held an election in the UK, they they take down beer tax because they want to get voted in, and they exactly. do it every like four years. <laughs> they take yeah. it down a little bit. <laughs> and and the thing that annoys most people too, Claire, I think, is that because it's the only other thing that goes up, so alcohol mm. and cigarettes. And, yeah. and so lumping those two in as if they're, you know, two peas like in the same pot, I think no. is, uh, you know, not telling the full story. Uh, I, I get that, yes, we, we, you know, we've got to pay a sin tax because, you know, oh, but there were consequences. Yeah, but you know what? You, you don't take the money. That excise goes into general revenue pot. It, it's not like you, you, you send it off to, uh, you know, do education on, you know, I don't know, liver cancer or, you know, uh, Alcohol-fueled violence yeah. or anything like that. Uh, anyway, well, uh, it might go on. to fair though. 
<laughs> Just I by the way, it, I bet it goes yeah. to fair. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let's not start that. Anyway, <laughs> that'll yeah, be yeah, the conversation for another day. <laughs> we will get back to a, one of our other favourites, ABEC, shortly. But before we do that, uh, entries are now open for uh, the Australian International Beer Awards for 2020. Uh, the annual event celebrates and recognises the best brewers across the world uh, and across the country. Uh, up to 34 trophies presented to the champions of each category, including the overall champion Australian beer and champion international beer and small, medium and large breweries for both of those. It's conducted by the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria. Um, it's the largest annual beer competition in the world, assessing both draft and packaged beer. So that's that's one of the big things. Um, a lot of the others have, oh, but, you know, the um, World Beer Cup has 6,500 entries. You know, we, we, we get 2,600. Uh, but they're um, package only, can or, or bottle. There's no there's no draft category in, in some of those other big ones, which uh, the AIBAs do have. Um, so yeah, we're expecting you know between two and a half and three thousand entries from over four hundred breweries uh, across twenty six countries around the world. That's amazing. So the twenty eighth AIBAs will be judged over three days at the Melbourne Showgrounds from the thirteenth to the fifteenth of May, and new. Uh, RESV CEO Brad Jenkins described the awards as unrivaled in both their scale and standard, oh. and he's not wrong. Oh, I'm excited. And uh, congratulations to Brad one. on his yeah his appointment to the role, um, and a big shout out too to Paul Guerra who um, who was the previous uh, RESV CEO who I had some involvement with both through the awards presentation uh, and through the judging, uh, and. Uh, can't speak highly enough of the. He, he just did a really great job in sort of uh, reinvigorating not not just the awards but the um, the the showgrounds, the RASV, and, and looking at you know how we how we take it forward. So, well done to him. Nice one. Oh, I'm very uh, excited. Do you judge me? Uh, I do. Ah, I do. I have okay. judged. I started out. Oh god, I've been involved now. I think for ten or twelve years. Oh, um, wow. First as a as a steward, and then. Um, Move my way up to associate judge, and then uh, I've been a judge for the last five AIBAs, I think. That's so yeah. cool. And what do you think about the um, the sort of the change that you've seen in beers over the, that period? Has it been completely crazy how many you get now? Uh, yeah, it is. It, it, it's certainly <laughs> you know the first time I think might have been five. First time you know as a as a steward, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, the first time I ever did it, there were three tables three tables of judges. Oh so we're now up to ten or eleven. Oh, uh, so that's. <laughs> That's changed. Uh, the biggest thing I think I've noticed, and and a lot of my compatriots concur, is the number of let's call them stinkers. The the number of, of, <laughs> of just uh, either either infected or you know haven't travelled well um, or or poorly constructed beers. The percentage um, is is smaller and smaller each each year to the point where uh, you, you get a lot of beers that are let yeah meh. Uh, and you get a f very few that are, oh, my God, yeah, this is just out absolutely outstanding. Um, but most of the beers generally are in between those two categories. So they're great examples of their style. They're great examples of the skill of the brewer. Uh, they're great examples of, of sort of capturing the, you know, whether it's the tropical hop aroma or the haziness or, you know, the sourness, whatever the, the, the trend is, is leaning towards. Um, but then when you get one that's, just hasn't you know it's just wrong mm -hmm. it's it's so much more noticeable now oh, so i think that's probably the, the biggest thing i've i've seen across the board is cool. the way that the feedback to the brewers the way that the um the integrity of the awards is is maintained um and and steadfastly maintained to to, to make sure that the 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 awards mean something both to the brewers and to the the public who will then see those uh, medals you know on a label uh, it, it's important that, um, yeah, it all kind of yeah it knits together, and you, you, you know, it, it means it means something. Yeah. What happens if you have an infected beer? Do you just chuck it? Well, there's infections, and then there's infections. So, yeah. all beers are presented. So uh, there are two samples of each beer presented to the table. So you'll have either five or six judges on each table. Three will have one poured from one container and three from a different one of the, of the same brand. So oh. it may be that one perhaps didn't seal properly, uh, perhaps okay. one, uh, you know, was slightly flat, whatever it might be. So you, you can call for your uh, your steward to uh, or for the, the chief steward, in yeah. this case uh, Craig Bowen, to pop over and say, look, we, we think, these three beers seem okay. Those three samples, yeah, there may be something there. Can you just check? And it might just be that um, there's all sorts of things. There can be, a, you know, human error. So these, these, but there are there are so many checks and balances. Uh, so yeah, when you, when you get an infected one, it's you know, 
there's often more feedback for the judge than there is feedback for the one who got the gold medal. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the feedback for the gold medal should be um, see colour. You know, that, that, that's all you – nothing you can Top say about notch, it. A, yeah. a gold medal, be, it's, you know, it, it ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the ones that are, are not so good, there's probably a little bit more, um, you know, this beer didn't get a medal and here are the, the, the key reasons from the five judges um, to give that feedback. So the, the whole idea is that um, the, the awards promote the improvement of standards. Awesome. Yeah, cool. That makes Thanks, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, registrations also this week are open for WA Beer Week 2020. So the now there's prospective event holder information session. I'm not quite sure where it is, but go to the Brews News website for all the details, or we may even have them in the show notes. Um, but there's a session on the 24th of Feb 2020. Registrations close on March 20th, and WA Beer Week itself is uh, held between June the 12th and the 21st. 12th and the 21st, that's a big week. That is a huge. I think I. Sorry if I get it wrong, but I think it's like forty-five events or something at different venues. And I was like, "That is mental! Imagine orchestrating that situation. That's crazy." Well, the other thing too, and I guess you know, from your point of view, um, Claire, is that I think something that Australians kind of just take for granted. But there are no other capital cities that are physically further apart than um, uh, Perth and, and the rest of the country. So yeah, It's the most isolated capital in the world, isn't it? State capital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so to have such a vibrant scene, to have uh, Fremantle certainly as, you know, as the birthplace of, of this whole thing called, called craft beer, but it, it also puts into perspective just how difficult it is for brewers to get their product you know, across the Nullarbor in really good condition. Yeah. Um, and you can see why. Uh, Brewers like Gage Roads mm-hmm. have looked to open uh, East Coast venues yeah. um, because it is just, you know, the, literally, you know, the, the tyranny of distance. Yeah, absolutely. It must be an absolute nightmare trying to get it across there in cold storage and good condition. Like, it's crazy. But speaking of Gage Roads, um, don't know if you saw that we did a little piece on their, like, half yearlies um, this week, Pete. Um, I didn't say that because oh. I figured I'm going to listen into Brews News Week and get the information that I didn't have time <laughs> so to catch up go. on. Oh well, just to catch you up as a little recap. Um, Thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. What, what what's happened with Gage Roads this week, Claire? Well, do tell. I'll tell you for why. Um, because they're uh, they actually do quite well in their half yearlies, right? So when you look at um, a financial accounts like that, you're looking at profits, you're looking at revenues, you're looking at expansion programs the next year, you're looking at just like there's a few markers that you look for and something like that as to um, to gauge the uh, see what I, did I see what you did there. Thank you. Uh, to... Are we talking KPIs? Like, is this, yeah, this was almost, one of the things where the yeah. cool kids would say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> almost, but I mean, they're just sort of an internal thing. Like, I don't have a checklist or anything like that. But in from having a look at it from my perspective, they did well. But lots of other publications like regional and national media and stuff sort of slated them. And I was a bit like, no, 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 no. Like, revenues have gone up. Like, they have set themselves really ambitious targets, but they've said, look, this is the reasons why we haven't achieved it in this half and we expect to be doing that next year. And this isn't like a brew situation. This is a gauge roads. You believe them when they say that. And as a... When you, when you say this isn't a brew situation, do you mean their shares are worth something? <laughs> yeah, but annoyingly, not as much as you'd expect. Um, because we did a piece a few months ago when I first started about how some investment managers thought that they were undervalued as a company. So the market just doesn't react to them as well because I think... They've had the example of brew BRWO and Gage are the only other brewer on the ASX. And it just gets on my goat because they're like the only good representative of the brewing industry. When the rest of the world looks at Australian business, they'll look at the ASX first to see how that's doing. And then next here down is the industry. So we've obviously only got two representatives and Gage Roads are doing well and they are expanding and, you know, they're a good representative of the WA and the Australian brewing industry. So give them a bit of love, I say. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. no time, no time for the haters. No, exactly. um, and I don't know. I know there's been various criticisms of of the product. Uh, I know when Single Fin came up, you know, there were people poo pooing that in the in the Gab Sodus One Hundred. And oh, okay. um, what did they say? Yeah. Uh, I, I just that you know, it's a mainstream. You know, and I think a lot of people and Matt and I have spoken about this many times, that there's still a little bit of a hangover. And you'll see every now and then in the in the, the vlog comments that, um, you know, somebody will say, oh, you're owned by Woolworths. 
Well, no, they had an arrangement, you know, 100 years ago, but yeah. that, that's all gone. You know, they, they bought the farm back. Yeah, and they were um, only partially owned as well. It wasn't like they were taken no, over No, exactly. Back. Yeah, yeah. And look, people conveniently forget that the a very similar uh, arrangement was part, in part responsible for the growth of, um, of stone and wood. So, yeah, exactly. you know, these commercial arrangements exist and, and people, look, people remember what they what they want to remember. Uh, another criticism has been, you know, that some of the, the cans are, you know, perhaps, you know, the um, labelling, you know, is a little bit plain. Mm-hmm. I would uh, make, maybe suggest to those it. people <laughs> that, uh, well, you know, put your money where your mouth is, call one three hundred eight five two two three five and call our friends at Relling's Label Stickers and Packaging um, to perhaps discover a more efficient and uh, illustrative way to get your small batch canning labels done. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Seamless. Now, uh, our last story, Claire. ABAC right. dismisses a trio of complaints. So ABAC <laughs> has dismissed um, complaints covering sport and public transport advertisements from Lion and Gage Roads, yep. as well as a Facebook post by CUB-owned Four Pines. In a ruling regarding sports advertising and product placement, ABAC dismissed complaints against two Forex Gold adverts that were aired during the Australia-New Zealand Test match over Christmas on Channel 7. Uh, unbeknownst to the complainant, Lion had already received pre-vetting for both the adverts and their placement <laughs> in the backyard banter segment of the program. And if that's in not a an detailed... advert for ABAC, I don't know what is. Like, they've already had a look exactly. at it. They've already said it's all right. So there's no way you were going to well, get a look in on it. that. <laughs> and it does show. Here's the process. If you go through the process, then you know this is the the end result, and this is this is showing you. Know, I guess you know, um, pulling across the side the curtain and seeing how it all works. And this is a proof positive that you know sometimes uh, the, the process does actually work. Yeah. So, in a detailed objection, the complainant argued against the frequency of the first advertisement. So. <laughs> don't I don't know. know. That's not a, that's not a code thing. Like it's not listed in the code that you can't show it can't have ten thousand yeah. times if you want. There's, there, yeah. That was a weird complaint. God, I don't complain, know why yeah. complain about Frank Walker and National Tiles or the Blind Factory. <laughs> oh have, God, have, there's, there's plenty awful. of ads. Yeah, <laughs> McDonald's ads, the earworms, fair income. That's it. And Make you know what ads. was weird about that one as well? They had a go that the actors shown in the advert they were like dads in the back backyard playing cricket yeah. basically. Yeah, and they were like, it shows sporting prowess. I was like. That's the opposite. No, of it was the opposite <laughs> because the whole thing was the or the one I saw, and I assume it's the same one. Was yeah. the it was how um, um, I guess musing over the um, how the origins of the one hand one bounce rule, you know, came <laughs> into group because you're you're holding a can, so you don't have two can two hands to to catch the ball, mm-hmm. and they're all you know dad bods, you know, <laughs> but apparently. Um, uh, they said that the actors in the advert who were shown playing backyard cricket were made to be socially attractive with the increased sporting prowess. But well, no, they weren't. They weren't at all. They looked like knob ends. They looked oh, like the four so dicks who couldn't build a boat. Like 4X Gold has been doing this f- for millennia, it, is, yeah. it, it would seem. Having, and they're, they're not socially attractive and they're not, you know, showing – they certainly you – know, the boat builders certainly didn't yeah. show any increased skills. There's one bloke who, you know, super glued his – phone to the side of the boat for god's sake um and look they objected to the idea that children viewing the cricket would be exposed Mm -hmm. to the advert well children watching the cricket are exposed to all sorts of things so and um, the point is with with that especially if it's a night game (laughs) yeah the point is with that one is that you're supposed to have an audience that conceivably that you that you already know or is conceivably over uh 75 percent adult like over 18 and that the cricket fair enough kids will probably have watched it but they've proven that the audience was 80 percent adult for that so it was just oh, a and shot in the dark from whoever was complaining on that exactly yeah they were, i think they were just throwing throwing a, enough darts they figured oh, one would yeah. hit and um they managed That's to miss it. them all yeah because exactly. the other thing too you know a five-day test match you've got kids nowadays who haven't got a five-minute attention span they're <laughs> You know, twenty twenty is a bit boring. You know, because yeah. <laughs> oh, it takes so Over long. It. But yeah, anyway. Um, and a social media advert for uh, was the subject of the latest complaint for uh, a CUB owned company. Mm. This one, this month, Four Pines faced a panel yeah. over um, an ad for its beer cocktails posted by its brew pub venue, Welcome to Brunswick, on Facebook, and that was that was also dismissed. Yeah. Now this one was a bit of a close call um, because it was basically saying because it's Christmas, like you can have a few extra which kind of 
like touches on the whole not encouraging excessive drinking and stuff but it was enough it was enough in terms of context that ABAC was like nah let's not be silly about this like it just because you've got time as in you aren't at work that day yeah you could probably stay at a venue a social venue longer it wasn't saying grab extra beers on the way home and just blotto yourself basically no that's right yeah, yeah. so yeah. And, I, and I think that's the thing it's about being sensible it's not about trying to be crazy and put crazy rules down and the fact that all of them were dismissed is definitely a good thing. It says a lot about that people are, you know, taking this into account. Um, I know most of them were the big guys, um, but at least Pirate Bay didn't get busted this time. I've been feeling Pirate quite Life. bad. Uh, Pirate Life, sorry, yeah. Pirate Bay, <laughs> which, if you ever known, was a music piracy thing in the early two thousands. <laughs> Pirate Life, yes, Pirate Life, because um, they they've been busted quite a few times in the past six months, like ten times. So I'm yeah, really glad it wasn't them. Yeah, and this is one of those ones where I think the ABAC rulings uh, are good for us as an industry. And we've we've often talked about how you know let's let's just think about what the alternative is. You know, if you think this is bad, it, it gets a lot worse if if control is taken out of our hands. Yeah. But the one thing that this does show is that okay, this was uh, yeah we're, we're we're going to dismiss this complaint, but maybe just you know be a bit careful. And everyone else reading it and watching this and and hearing this now. Who who's putting out beers or or crafting Facebook ads or social media campaigns has just can have in the back of their mind, yeah, you know what? Uh, let's let's actually reread that, and maybe we can say, you know, uh, rather than saying have a few extra, you can say you can relax because you've got the day off tomorrow. Now that's you know yeah. it, you, you you're telling exactly the same story, but you know using different words. So yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's that's one thing that I, I think would be um, be pretty good. Uh, all right. Hey, we've got through our first one together, Claire. Oh, that's wonderful. That's the, the news headlines. We're going to dive headlong, uh, elbow deep into the mailbag because we haven't done it for, I think, three or four episodes. Awesome. Uh, so we'll, uh, we do have a little bit of catching up to do. We do still, um, thanks to our very good friends at uh, Beer Cartel, uh, all our letters of the week, uh, our comments on the Facebook group or the um, emails that we get, uh, texts that Matt and I get uh, and um, any other information that comes our way awesome. all eligible something will tickle our fancy and we'll decide to uh, award them a six-pack of uh, australian craft beer thanks to beer cartel yeah. and all letter writers whether your uh, letter of the week or not all letter writers will also receive a bruised news bottle opener oh, beautiful. but you can also use the other end you can use it to uh, knock the top off a can as well so it's, you know for those of you who are worried oh you never get to use it well frame it you know, <laughs> you know maybe maybe we should get matt to autograph them oh Ooh, that's when we send them idea. out, would that be worth yeah. more? I think they'd uh, speaking, be worth less. Speaking of autographs <laughs> and perceived value, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to um, Ballarat Beer Festival is coming up on the 15th of, of February. Uh, so it's a, a, a month later than, than what it normally is. So people have got plenty of time to prepare. But the uh, Gallagher's uh, Insurance Brewers Degustation Dinner on the Friday night has something very special, um, some very special memorabilia. Uh, autographed memorabilia. So the very first slab of cans of Heroes Gold, which is um, Gold 104.3, the radio station down here in Melbourne, and they're syndicated, um, I think, Australia-wide, uh, sent out a bit of a, a thing saying, we want to do something to help with bushfire relief. And so they contacted Hawkers. Hawkers put out a bit of a, a, um, a campaign to, to get a name for it. Heroes Gold is the one they've come up with it. So that we've got the you know the gold 104 and the the heroes um, factor, Mazen Hajar has autographed the first case, as has Christian O'Connell from the uh, Christian O'Connell Breakfast Show, and that uh, slab will be auctioned off or given away. I don't know what we're doing with something with it, but it's going to be uh, at the the Brewers Degustation Dinner on uh, Valentine's Day. Oh, so maybe yeah, maybe somebody will get you know Valentine's present. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. You know, so. But how go. do you think about Valentine's Day, Pete? Are you into it? Oh, I have um, uh, just uh, passionately avoided it for the. Uh, <laughs> Me <laughs> too. I, I'd literally yeah, I, go elsewhere. I like just say to Liv, I'm I'm off. I think, well, yeah, part of it is that uh, I was in hospitality for so long, so I've seen the ugly side of it. Oh, not the ugly side of it, but, you know, just. I bet you've got some stories. Suck, spending and doing and all that sort of thing. And you go, oh, come on, mate. Yeah, yeah, try harder. Um, but I've always said, look, uh, my, my wife, uh, we met when I was 16 and she was 13, and we started going out maybe three years after that. So we've been going out for quite a while. And I think the very first Valentine's Day, uh, I sort of said, oh, but, you know, I, I love you every day of the year. So oh. well, 
And that's how I've got away with it. Beautiful. Uh, there you go. Top years. tip for yeah. all blokes out there. Appreciate your lady every day. That's it. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, don't, you don't have to. Yeah, oh, look, it's a little bit of a Hallmark card. I, I, I totally get if you if you're into it, enjoy it. Yeah. That's yeah, no no drama with that. Cool. Mailbag. Uh, Will Rogers. Now, Will Rogers, uh, this was through our Facebook page oh, group, yeah. our closed group. So if you do want to join, just uh, flick us a, a, a request and uh, we'll let you in pretty much. But uh, it's, it's kind of like <laughs> it, 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 we don't promote it outside open. of the Come podcast because the idea is that it's sort of it's an extension of the podcast. So, you know, you listen to stuff on the podcast, you can make comments and um, we look, we get lots of lots of really great stories and, and that sort of thing. Um Will sent us in a tool that he made um, to browse all of the past hottest 100 uh, beers by brewery. So it's a it's a chart style of beer and region. Yeah, yeah. So and look, it's it's um, to to look at. You've you've kind of got to work it. Once you work out how it works, you can really see how certain beers um, have come from nowhere, or you know, hit hit with a bang, and then all of a sudden have, have disappeared. Um, a really great way to do it. And I, I'm pretty sure that Matt's been in contact with Will and we might be able to – I think we're going to see if we uh, can perhaps get something formally uh, arranged for um, next year's Hottest 100. Yeah, and we might that would be really cool. Can, yeah, incorporate that into our, um, our live awesome. Yeah, well done, podcast. Will. That, was, that must have been a lot of work and done really well. So, yeah, cool. Well, even just as I say, I've sort of been involved with um, with the Hottest One Hundred since its inception, and you know, going back through all the notes that I've made, and I've got you know A three spreadsheets of uh, you know every beer that's that's come and gone, and where it's placed and you know, dropped or raised, and all that sort of thing. And then more recently, obviously, um, Crafty's done the really great infographics, which give you a great sort of snapshot, and you can see how things have changed and and uh, how trends are developing. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's a lot of hard work. So well done, Will. Thank you for that. Uh, Joshua Boyle, do you want to uh, read with this one out, Claire? Okay, hello, the Bruise News team. This is for an email from Joshua Boyle. It says, uh, when I met Matt at the Charming Squire event, he had asked that I, if I come across some little stories in the French and EU brewing scene to do a little write-up. This one I've been sitting on for a while, as I was not sure Bruise News would have been interested in French industrial breweries openly talking about selling their beer as microbreweries. Um, he goes on to say, so this comes from an article... Um, it's an interview with Stefan Munch, the brewmaster and production director at Cronenberg's Obernai site. Um, goes on to mention Cronenberg. The, the interesting thing for me, Claire, was that that's across um, 50 different recipes. So we, we sort of think oh, yeah. of Cronenberg and I think there's um, when, I, when we were in France, there was another one that was like a strong Cronenberg or something mm-hmm. or a premium. But uh, I didn't realise that they made, A, that much beer, but also over 50 different recipes. Yeah, and it says they're going to invest 100 million euro to increase the capacity. That's mental. Um, I was a big fan of Cronenberg back in Europe, actually. It's quite a nice beer. Yeah, we were taught uh, in my um, French for Travellers class that I did, which was uh, six or seven, uh, you know, one one hour a week for six or seven weeks before we travelled with the family to France, um, that in most places in France, you just order a says. Ah, which is okay. French for 16. Um, so uh, Cronenberg, six, 1664. Oh, yeah, so good. Yeah. Good, yeah. good one. Oh, but then this is, the, I mean, this is the interesting bit for me about how he says um, going towards the marketing team at Cronenberg is sort of utilizing these smaller series and brands, doing what Lion did with Lucky Mundy, um, building up a locally owned brewery, then bring the beer at larger sites. Um, and we've seen that. In quite a few places, and it was a suggestion that you know, Tiny Mountain up um up north. Tiny, yeah, yeah Kosciuszko yeah. was another one. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah where you, exactly. There was questions you can, about you can test them. Yeah, and Line have been great at uh, testing a recipe or a brand or a concept, uh, giving it locality, that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. and and doing what they can't do on the on the larger scale to yeah. start with. And then if people go, yeah, this is really great, and then word gets around, and Furphy's probably the, the greatest example of this, then they have the ability to, to scale it up mm-hmm. while still, I guess, being seen to be that small brewery, whether it's Tiny yeah. Mountain or Kosciuszko or, or Yamundi. That's the bit that just uh, seems a bit disingenuous to me, though. It's just like you aren't a small craft brewer, though. Well, it is, yeah, it is if you're telling people that, you know, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this is all brewed on this, you know, pot, this large pot on the stove behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, I think at least 
Uh, yeah, look, it, it's fraught. There are, <laughs> it's a tricky because you, you're not. Yeah, they're very rarely. And look, Mountain Goat were were past masters at this uh, initially of saying, yeah, well, look, we're, we're not not saying where our beer our beer is brewed. We're just not saying where it is brewed. You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get you. But, it, it, yeah, and look, he finishes up, it, it, all the big fish use the same tactics. Yeah, so. across the world. Across the world, everyone. It's not Spot just on. us. There's nothing new <laughs> in the zoo. Correct. Thanks very much for that. Uh, that's uh, Joshua Boyle. Thanks mm-hmm. for that. Uh, Rob Stewart on the Facebook group also posted a picture of 0% drinks. Uh, an alcohol-free beer and wine pop-up shop just appeared at my local shopping centre. I don't think he said where it was, um, but has anyone else seen one of these crop up around the traps? Um, so that's an interesting one going on the, you know, the mm. uh, Brewdog AF. Uh, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Heineken's doing a, a big push at the moment for their zero zero. Uh, Carlton Zero, haven't seen the, the ads haven't sort of been popping up as much as uh, as they were obviously when they launched. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how those figures are tracking now yeah. that um, it's it's not the only tool in the box. There's, there, there are now other options so if you're used to like heineken do you go for the heineken zero or do you go oh i've tried the local one mm-hmm. who knows yeah exactly and it'll be definitely be interesting to see how um our smaller brewers go down this non-alcoholic route as well because um we did a piece last year i think about brick lane doing it um they've started testing and they're in the product testing phases of doing a non-alcoholic beer and all that kind of stuff so obviously the part of that whole article was about how do you do this when the big brewers kind of have a monopoly on it because they've got all the t- all the kit all the tech all the lab technicians and the chemists and all that kind of stuff to get this over the line. But I think it's just a testament to the talent that we've got in the independent brewing industry that um, people are going to get cracking with something that is technically quite difficult. Um, I don't think we've ever been afraid of something like that. And uh, this one will be cool. Yeah, we'll see see how it goes this next year. I think we'll definitely see some more non-alcoholic um, beer coming out of the industry. And hopefully, too, we see um, and a great example I thought was Brick Lane when they brought out their, it's called their base, uh, fine line lager. Mm. Uh, and they were so, oh, yeah, we'll make it a mid-strength, so we'll make it 3.5. Yeah. And they kind of, uh, th- there was a push by some around the table to say, well, let's actually make it three, um, just to put it below that, you know, that that lower end mm-hmm. to see maybe, so, okay, no, like, like Matt says, you know, if, if, if I really want to drink a non-alcoholic drink, I'd, I'd, you know, I'll have soda water or, yeah, okay. you know, lemon, lime, and bitters yeah. or whatever, um, rather than having the low, you know, the, the high-calorie alternative, mm-hmm. as some of the, the commercial examples are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more likely to say, yeah, look, I can have, you know, I'll have one or two, but oh, you've got a, a Berliner Weiss or you've got a fine line lager that's 3%, 2.8, 2.5, whatever it might be, and maybe have one or two of those. And that for me is just sort of, I think I'm with Matt on that one, more satisfying than perhaps having the the non-alcoholic um, alternative. Yeah. Yeah, I know what but, you mean. Yeah. But you're right. It'll be the, the next year will be very interesting to see just how, how the trend kicks off. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing too is it's going to be up against, uh, you know, going toe-to-toe, head-to-head, mano a mano with, um, uh, you know, uh, Alcoholic seltzer, hard seltzer. Yeah, well, this is what we've kind of touched on before, haven't we, Pete, about how everyone's sort of diversifying. They're not just doing beer anymore. They're doing beer-adjacent things and, like, lots of different broader categories in the, the industry that they're going for, kombucha and all that kind of stuff. Um, FM, FMBs. FMBs, yeah, exactly. Flavored malt, exactly. Flavored malt, malt beverage. beverage. Yeah. So uh, I definitely think we'll see more of that. Whether it's going to last in the long term, I'm still dubious, but we're definitely going to see some, see how it goes. Exactly. Um, now, our next letter. Hi, I'm Aaron, the guy with cancer that Pete met at GABF a few weeks back. <laughs> G'day, Aaron. So this is Aaron Glecky, who uh, some of our listeners may remember, uh, won our, um, our, lo- our slogan competition. And hopefully those will we'll have to do a bit of a, a follow-up next week, Claire, on um, how those beers are going and get them out uh, to market. As I currently have no commute to work and have been unable to walk the dog due to some surgery in preparation for my cancer treatment, I've not been able to keep up with my usual podcast listening. This means I only just now got to the end of your podcast from the 23rd of January, where you gave me a shout out at the start and some further kind words at the end of the podcast. Just wanted to say thank you to you both for what you said, myself and and Matt, 
uh, and for Pete for taking the time to say g'day at GABF. I know you're busy and can certainly understand that you must have been horrified at the sight of the, the Uber geek <laughs> heading over no to way. you, remembering we that Aaron's wearing the, yeah, the, uh, the Brewdog Berlin T-shirt uh, matched with the uh, – so it was worse <laughs> yeah, than double denim. Feeding it. it was worse than double denim. nothing worse than double denim. <laughs> when, you, when you, yeah, double craft beer geek, it was a bit confronting. <laughs> <a bit> <laughs> uh, I walk in more of a shuffle these days, so you'd be much better able to avoid me now. I would not do that, my friend. Never. Anyway, again, thank you to you and, and to all the Bruise News family that responded to Daniel Ridd's Facebook post wishing me the best. Every bit of positive reinforcement helps. Uh, beer people really are the best people. Cheers and F cancer. Amen. And uh, echo those sentiments. And yeah. good luck with it, Aaron. I know, uh, you know, the, he's had a little bit more. The beard has gone, I did see, oh, on his uh, on his Facebook page. So yeah. for those who, who don't know Aaron, um, think, you know, like, uh, tilt your head, squint your eyes and picture a, a standard craft beer rep. Um, <laughs> Do you see that? And, then, and now without the beard. going around about craft beer reps. <laughs> oh, I it was doing the rounds. Take memes a bit too seriously. Oh, and, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean. It, it does show, too, that the Batuta Advocate is probably becoming even more mainstream and, you know, less parody, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> There's an amazing Facebook page that also um, takes the mick out of baby, baby boomers, sorry, guys, um, for taking bit, the Batuta Advocate seriously. <laughs> and they'll, like, <laughs> post furiously underneath it and everyone's like, yeah, that's just a joke. Sometimes it's not always a good joke, but. <laughs> no, that's right. And look, one of one of my favourite things, you know, my little guilty pleasures, um, is uh, looking at the Facebook group, uh, angry people in local newspapers. Oh, I, just I love that. that. How good is that? It just makes so you feel good. so much better about your own existence. You go, <laughs> if that's the worst thing you've got to worry about, mate, I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> Exactly. Our last email this week, our letter last letter is an email from Stephen Bridey. Um, I'll throw this one to you, Claire. Okay. Um, Stephen Bridey says, "Hey, Bruce News. I was over in BC, British Columbia, Canada, for Christmas." And listen to your podcast interviewing the guy from Vancouver Island, which was timely, so thanks for that. I found what he said to be true with complete, the complete with dominance of hazy IPAs over there is crazy. It's almost hard to find a West Coast IPA. I actually asked a guy at the bottle shop as I was looking at a wall of craft beer if they had any West Coast style IPAs and they only had two. <laughs> ah. Oh, that's mental. Um, the other interesting thing over there is that they don't use hazy, juicy, or East Coast in their marketing. They just say the witty name of beer, IPA, which is quite different than in Australia. That's true. Um, mm. They're using hazy like crazy as a buzz marketing word. Um, it actually made it quite hard not to accidentally buy a hazy IPA. What are the your bastards. I know, I dare <laughs> it. Uh, what are your thoughts on why that would be? Do you think it will ever get like that here, where the hazy IPA overtakes normal IPA so much that they stop using the term hazy? I yeah, I don't know. Look, look, I think Canada, for so many reasons, is um, is so is, is so different. Um, I think probably the best description I've ever heard of Canada um, compared to the United States. Canada is like a nice one bedroom apartment above a crack house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> True words. I've never been. Yeah, and uh, but but the other thing too, in terms of beer, uh, the excise, the the beer tax, in terms of. Um, uh, export is very prohibitive. So, uh, in years gone by, we've seen Unibrew, we've seen um, Dude, uh, Dudeciel, and a few others that have sort of drifted away. We, we don't see them. San Ambrose, we don't see them as much anymore. And I, I have a feeling that there's, there's it's prohibitively expensive to to bring it over. So they do have a, a slightly different way of doing things in terms of their of their craft beer. Um, and I think partly to, to make it, you know, to, to, to keep the good stuff where it is. The marketing-wise, and we've had this discussion at um, the Gabs Festival at um, uh, Craft Beer College, uh, I know there are plenty of brewers around who are not necessarily IPA purists, but who do think that, yeah, we are, we are overusing the term IPA in terms of we're diluting what it used to be. Mm -hmm. So that, that whole key of, of India, so a, a beer that was made to travel, da, 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 and now all of a sudden we've got these hazy IPAs that are just, no, no, don't, don't let them travel. In fact, don't let them out of your brewery if you can possibly help it. So it's kind of, you know, analogous to, to, to what the, the style originally was, uh, was, was supposed to be. That suggests to me that it's a marketing term that works. Mm -hmm. If you have, uh, you know, witty name IPA, 
uh, people will buy, people are more likely to buy that than if you called it uh, an alt beer or a Kirsch or you know if you're not sure what that thing is or samurai. Well, what's a samurai? That might be too light. Uh, for so many reasons, I, I just think IPA captures um, people's confidence yeah. a little bit better than, than some others. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit of building off the back of that or, you know, taking advantage of, of the fact that IPA is just a, a known term, yeah. despite the fact that most people probably don't know that it, it stands for India Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think it just sort of feeds into this whole, you know, we're becoming a more educated class of drinkers. We know more about what we're drinking. There's more people that know that about the IPA, which is, sorry to bring it back to ABAC, but why a lot of the times where people kick off when they say, oh, you're not making it clear that it's a beer because you put IPA. And they're like, yeah, but everybody yeah, knows that. Yeah, or milkshake. Yeah. Or milkshake. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows that an, an IPA is an alcoholic drink. It's a beer. Um, and I think that we're changing with the times and someone like ABAC needs to as well because it's absolutely right. You're absolutely right. People know what that is now. Um, about whether hazy is going to overtake normal IPAs, I'm not sure. I don't think it's... I think, I, I think it's I, I a think distinct ha- class that will stay that way. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, in the same way that for a long while there, uh, if you said to... You go back 20 years and you talk about an IPA, the only beer you would be talking about would be uh, Worthington White Shield mm-hmm. style... English style IPA, so nice, you know, malt forward, um, good earthy floral hops, but not, you know, super yeah. super bitter yeah. for the for bitterness sake. Uh, whereas, say, ten years later, IPA, boom, everyone's thinking West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. Now, our um, our writer there has obviously said, yeah, well, he couldn't find out of all those two were West Coast IPAs. Now we're moving, you know, so it's it's a progression. It's a um, we're moving moving through and dividing off into these different subcategories. And probably Cascadian Dark Ale or Black IPA is probably the exception to the rule. It's probably the only one that really didn't kind of catch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens again with uh, – I, I think Hazy's here to stay because I think it, it speaks to a type of, of drinker who wants that uh, almost the opposite to a, an actual IPA. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all those beautiful <laughs> hop forward, but I don't want I don't want any bitterness. If you can possibly, you know, yeah, that's I think that's called orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say I think um, felons did one. Oh, last year at some point, and uh, it was so hazy. I was like, is that just a glass of OJ? I haven't tried it yet though, so I can't say what it was like. But it looked exactly like that. And you're right, yeah. I think that appeals to. The, it does appeal to some, but as I say, yeah. the, the beer judge in me looks at that and says, oh, you probably should have rolled that keg. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, either, it's either the first one off the keg or it's the last. <laughs> um, you know, you sure you haven't maybe – was this actually your your, your, um, your, your yeast fermenter? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun. So, yeah, as I said, but, but some of us, we drink with our eyes first. And, and for me, uh, I'm, I'm in the Charlie Banforth camp uh, that, you know, I, I think a beautiful, crystal clear, um, you know, the clarity of a beer uh, says more to me about the skill of the um, the brewer than does, uh, oh, that's great. It's, it looks like bone broth or oh, chicken soup. I tell yeah. you what, Pete, I had a delightful, it was just a lager, just a plain old ordinary lager. Um, at the Brendale Brewing Company, which is like a tiny little place, slap bang in the middle. of I am of familiar with Brendale's work. Have you been there? Yep. Um, yeah. or have you, I haven't been there, but I've had ah, their beer. Yeah. It's it's literally my closest brewery. Like that's that's my local, and I'd, I'd never been there, and it was crystal clear, and it was a smoking hot day, and it was just the best thing I've ever drunk. But I think context, context was king in that particular one, but the beer was very good as well. <laughs> exactly. No, no, and you're hundred percent right. Sometimes you know it's 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 who you're with, it's where you are, and it's why you're there. That uh, well, dare I say it? It's the bintang effect. You know, it's, it's the, it's the bintang effect. Beer it's tastes so different when you haven't got a care in the world. Where you know you've just had a two dollar massage and and, and you paid forty cents for your beer, and you're looking at the sunset over you know, the ocean, Mm -hmm. it's completely different to, you know, getting home um, after an hour and a half in traffic and Mm -hmm. cracking a beer and going, this doesn't taste the same. No, it doesn't. It's a different beer. It is a completely different beer. (laughs) The experience means so much. Speaking of experience, it's been a great experience having uh, co-hosted with you today, Claire. Oh, can I just say um, one last one on the the mailbox? Uh, I got a message on Instagram from um, 
Josh Quantrill from Capital. Uh, oh, from Capital Brook. Yep. Yes, who is an absolutely delightful chap. And he's also from Bradford, which is just down the road from me. So, hey, Josh, thank you for there saying you hi. And, uh, yeah, recognising another northerner when you hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how he knew. Uh, I met... Josh, last year, Josh, um, and this is a bit of a shout out too to, to breweries out there. Uh, I met Josh uh, behind the scenes at uh, the Indies. So I was the, I'm the chief steward there and we have um, brewery staff who, or, or assistant brewers, who, whoever it might be, who maybe want to become an associate judge and therefore a judge later on down the track. Mm-hmm. And a great way for them to, to do it is to offer their services as a, for a couple of shifts as a, um, a volunteer steward yeah. because you, you sort of you see how, how the process works and all that sort of thing and how the beers are poured and why it's important to get them all the same and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Josh. I'd, there you go. I'd, nice one. A good man. All right. Cool. Um, that's it for today. So thank you very much again to our sponsors, Cryomol. Uh, Rowling's labels, stickers and packaging, and to be a cartel for making all of this possible. And thank you to you, Claire. Thank you, P. Very much. Please pass on, pass on my thanks to the uh, panel operator there in the background. <laughs> the minion, I'm, sure I'm going to call him. Passing your notes and uh, you know sending your messages. And don't forget this, don't forget that. You know. Kicking me. All I'm going to say is that I didn't say a word, and this has been the longest uh, bruisiest week that we've had in probably 12 months. <laughs> Sorry to our listeners. And yet he... He couldn't. He couldn't quite go couldn't one resist. episode couldn't without resist. saying something. <laughs> thank you very much, Claire. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, and me. thank you to all of our listeners. And we'll see you all next week for the next Bruise News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and we'll see you all again next time. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 